0: Coming to you from the breakfast taco capital of the world, it's the most unique hour of sports talk streaming worldwide, worldwide, and beyond, and beyond. Live from the Alamo City, it's the Two Shots Podcast, hosted by Joe Garcia.
1: Well, we're here for another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. I'm going to be joined here by my co-host, which one of them is actually here in studio with me. I'll introduce him first. We're going to be joined by the one and only ravishing Rudy Campos Jr. Rudy, how's it going, man? What's up, Joe? Going good. I am in studio. I'm, I think your studio just became more valuable now. Yeah, it just became more valuable because we have the MVP of uh, sports radio with us today, Rudy Campos Jr. <laughs> mm-hmm. MVP it is. And we're also going to be joined by our other co-host here. The one and only Benjamin Bornstein. Ben, how's it going, man? What are you excited for right now? Fantasy draft?
0: Fantasy football and Matt Stafford hopefully not disappointing me. That'd be awesome. That would just be delightful.
1: Yeah, I meant fantasy Um, football because I know you were raving about, you know, the quarterback, Matthew Stafford, and how you needed him to do good.
0: I need him to do well. I wouldn't say I'm raving about him. He is a Georgia guy, so I can't be be that supportive as a Florida person. But... (laughs) I hope he does well enough so that I can finally win a game in fantasy. I am winless right now, and I got to tell you, it's not great, Bob.
1: Yeah, it sucks. Being last sucks, so you got to get some Ws, man. You got to get them any, any way you can.
2: Terrible when the Spurs have more wins in here.
1: Oh, man. Shots that fired. Shots fired.
3: <laughs> you, just know that. you know this. We haven't
1: even gotten to our sports uh, Spurs talk, should I say, and Rudy's already firing off, man. And we're also going to be joined by our other co-host, the one and only Wesley Perkins. Wesley, how's it going, my friend?
3: Going well. Good to be with you guys. Yeah. Can't it's- go wrong with the uh, start of NBA time. You've got pr- probably what's the best post-ball playoff.
1: So oh, man. That's, that's a good time. We got one of the best things to ever happen in sports, and that is the walk-off home run that we saw yesterday, actually, against... You know the Dodgers and St. Louis, so that was great. I mean, one-one, it was. I thought it was going to go to you know extra innings and everything. You know, like three extra innings. You know, we're going to be in the, no. the bottom of the twelfth inning, still one-one. Mm. But damn, a walk-off home run to end the game. That's all she wrote, man. Was that wasn't
2: the last? The last one wasn't Kirk Gibson for the Dodgers, was it? I think it was. No, I can't remember. Or but I mean. The most famous one was Kirk Gibson for the Dodgers. But, yeah, a walk-off by Taylor yesterday was pretty amazing. Better than the, uh, the crappy game before that. The uh, Yankee and I Red know, Sox. Man, wonder,
3: you guys. I'm just you saying. You shed it's your like, filthy
2: that's whore that's mouth, Rudy. <laughs> I'm a
1: big I mean, Red Sox with, fan.
3: With the Cardinals. You can't go wrong with that. I mean, like, the Cardinals had gotten, what, 17 in a row not too long ago, just barely broke that streak. You know, what if they had knocked off the Dodgers? God, that – the Dodgers are such a good team, second best team in baseball. Like
2: it was second best so, team in baseball, yeah. and that sucks that you got to go to a wild card fight for that. And it also yep. sucks that you know the Dodgers won, and then they're paying the fir- the best team in baseball, which is the guaranteed World Series champion, uh, San Francisco Giants. I mean, you have the best and the second best team playing in the first round. Baseball's got to get their crap together. That, that's not right, that mm-hmm. can't happen.
1: Yeah, but to me, it was exciting only because we had the Boston Red Sox defeat. The lowly New York Yankees, which I despise with every fiber in yes. my being. And I made sure that I was talking lots of trash after the game. Because <laughs> during the game, a lot of my friends and a lot of my family were talking trash to me as the game was, was the game was going. Even before I even woke up in the morning, I was already getting text messages. Even from my nephew, who's a diehard Yankees fan. Oh, the Red Sox are going to lose today. Blah, blah, blah. I said, all right. And then,
2: yeah, that's all she wrote. The Yankees and Red Sox. I mean, whoever won the series was going to go up against the Rays. It has the old San Antonio Spurs feeling. Make it to the playoffs and bounce in the first round. That's the way it's going to be for the Red Sox. We don't know what's going to happen, Rudy. I'm willing to bet that that's (laughs) going to happen. Bounce
0: first round. Well,
2: that assumption
1: is not wrong. The Yankees are
0: trash. Brian Cashman is trash. And Aaron Boone is trash. There, I said it.
2: But
3: the the Yankees lost.
2: Why are you talking about the Yankees?
3: Hey, but I'm, I'm a Yankees fan, and I, no. I have to tell oh, you this. At all. They come I, out as okay, a good look, word, look, man. Look, my heart bleeds for the Astros. Seriously, I love the Astros. But the day that I went with my wife and my in-laws to New York City and the groundskeeper from, from the Yankees saw me filming the old Yankee Stadium. The year is going to be torn down, and he says, hey, you and your wife want to come in here, and I'll tell you a little bit about the, the history of the stadium and come, come in the center field. And I have tickets tonight to the, to the Subway Series. Did they let you pet like, the
1: pet rat that they have in the back?
3: No, they didn't, but <laughs> LOL, Joe, as if it's only one, <laughs> but I, sort of got guys from that day on. I was like, I, no matter what else, that was the, ball. It's gross, so cool. Wes,
0: gross. You'll just let anybody buy your affection.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Wesley's over here. Just pouring himself out to any team, you know, <laughs>
3: <No> <laughs>
1: anybody from the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well we're gonna go ahead and dive into uh, some san antonio spurs talk so that's the real reason that we're here and yes san antonio spurs are back in action and preseason play and is it time to have you know everybody get excited is it time for jubilations or is it time to go ahead and get ready for the inevitable you know so <laughs> spurs fans are crazy man i gotta tell you the first game they were already re- ready to christen Josh Primo as the second coming, you know, of, of the next NBA fide star for the San Antonio Spurs. After one preseason game, the kid looked good. I'm not going to doubt that, man. 17 points and a little over 17 minutes. Kid looked great out there, you know. The Spurs came out. They were fired up. They were looking pretty good. They were an exciting team to watch, you know. They were going up and down the court with the best of them. The pace was very noticeable for one. Two, the defense was pretty good, you know, and their shot selection was well-balanced, you know, they had some threes, they had a lot of mid-range jumpers, and they had a lot of, they had a lot of shots that fell for them point-blank right at the rim, you know. Everything was great for the San Antonio Spurs in their first outing against the Utah Jazz, which they handedly won uh, that game by a final score of 111 to 85. Now, before we go ahead and Start getting all crazy here. Let's kind of come back down to earth, and we're going to go ahead and start with you, Ben. What was your observations from just the first preseason game uh, the San Antonio Spurs played against the Jazz?
0: You mean the Yaz? The Yaz. Yes. Because uh, they were not at full squad, so they are the Yaz.
1: Yes. Well, that too. You know, they but weren't playing with a, a, a full squad,
0: yeah. Um, mostly because the Y is not worth as much as the J in Scrabble. <laughs> Nerd alert. Anyway... Um, no, it was great. It was good. It was nice to see that. Um, I believe our, our guy, Paul, Paul Garcia, was keeping track of the of where shots were coming from. I think he said, I think it ended up being less than 20% of the shots came from the mid-range, which is absolutely what you want to see with this team. It's very much a team that's going up and down the court. We've discussed this before, but, but with a team with as fresh and young legs like they've got should be running up and down the court. You should try and, you know, they're going to be aggressive with opportunities. I think we saw that on fast breaks, even on kind of secondary fast breaks for them. And, you know, some of the shots may not have been falling at times, but those are shots you still want them taking and you feel comfortable with that, especially because they have a lot more shooters this year. They're going to have opportunity for spacing. So first game, and really there were parts of the second game as well that were pretty encouraging. Uh, despite 17-point deficit, they came back. They had opportunities to maybe, maybe not win that game, but come back and tie it up and, and make it competitive. And they, you know, they made it as competitive as they could, and it was a close game in the end. So uh, you like seeing that fight and that grit from these young guys. So I, I think there's a lot, of, a lot of bright spots here. That need to be considered before everybody's saying, "Oh, this is a twenty-five win team. Oh, we're getting a top five pick this year." That's not necessarily a
1: bad thing, though, Ben. If they, they, I agree. You know,
0: top five or top ten pick is great for me. I get to scout incredible players, and I'm happy with that. I mean, I've been wanting this for years.
1: I would be happy with the top five pick. Let's put it like that. But you know, I understand that Spurs fans are are hungry. They, they want the team to win. They want to get back to the playoffs. Is it going to happen this year? Realistically, honestly, I got to say my heart tells me no. You know, I think this year is just a year of growth. We got to look for the growth of the player, how the players are going to go ahead and develop, mainly our younger core. Uh, there's still a lot of work to be done. I get that. But they're going to be a fun team to watch. You know, they're going to be able to get up and down the court with the best of them. They like the pace. Like I said, I also like the defense. And just going off, you know, firing off some of the stats for that first game against the Utah Jazz. Eldon Johnson, you know, 20, 21 minutes, 54 seconds, had 10 points uh, for the game. We had Dougie McBuckets, Doug McDermott. He had nine points for the game, was three for three from the free throw line for a perfect 100%. Uh, three of seven from the field, from the field. he shot about 42.9%. Then we had Yaka Portal, 17 minutes. He put up four points and he had two blocks. They were quiet. 21 minutes, 19 seconds, had... A quiet six points in that game. And DeJounte Murray, 21 minutes, 20 seconds, 17 points. You know, which he also tied. Josh Primo at 17 points as well. So Josh Primo, you know, 17 minutes, 40 seconds is what he played in that particular game. He shot seven for eight from the field, good enough for 87.5%. The kid was three or four from beyond the arc. Good enough for 75%. I mean, he had a great game, you know, especially for for a rookie. You know, you can't say enough good things about Josh Primo. We do see some flashes here that gets, you know, Spurs fans excited. I get that. But what were your observations, Wesley, from that first game?
3: Yeah, You know, again, the closeouts, I like that on D. I thought that's been something that's been detrimental to this team for the past, you know, two or three seasons is just – being so late on those three-point closeouts, that was, that was encouraging to see that. Um, you know, I know that, of course, Gobert wasn't playing. So, you know, you got shots in the middle of the paint that they're not going to get from the Jazz in a normal scenario. Um, however, I, you know, again, EJ continues to, to take steps forward. I, I, I like him as the first point guard. I do like him as their leader and their player uh, to build with. Uh, but, again, you know, it's still kind of a question mark, a mixed bag. Bonnie Walker gave them the same inconsistent Lonnie Walker play love to say, well, it's just, what is he going to do? It's been the same Lonnie Walker now for, you know, multiple seasons where he just turns the ball over travel. You know, he's too quick to to make a decision. Doesn't take his time. Um, you know, so there, there was kind of one negative for me. Uh, I'll be honest, guys, you know, the one player that I know, and we're not talking game two yet, but the one player that I was really happy to see and uh, his growth was Brent Forbes. I mean, Brin Forbes looked really consistent with his, uh, you know, with his decision making. I thought that his shot looked uh, even better. He had, he shot the ball with confidence. And another thing, it was kind of wasn't a huge factor because he didn't do it very often. Keldon um, posting up at, at the uh, mid range, getting getting a post up, taking a fade away there on the baseline. It, it may not be something that people really remembered. But I, that's encouraging, you know, because if Keldon Johnson can get a mid-range game, if he can get a three-point shooting, you know, percentage that's worthy of opponents wanting to, you know, guard him and and uh, and chase him off that, then he's going to get into the lane. Then he's going to get those big body buckets that he that he's going to get. Uh, I'll be honest, you know, the most encouraging fact out of that out of this game was uh, the play of the bigs. I, I really liked what Eubanks did. I thought that he had a good, solid, all-around game. Uh, McDermott was sketchy, a lot of fouls, you know, but again, it's part of just piecing things together with him. Uh, Pirtle, again, played pretty solid. Uh, didn't see Thad Young, you know, was kind of a little bit question mark about that and why maybe he didn't play in game one, but maybe it's just kind of a minute thing and kind of some rest. But uh, Primo, Don't that kid it. was awesome. Um, oh, let's let's drill. One of those uh, three pointers out of the three or four was a bank shot. But it still went in. He's apologizing. It still goes in, right? It so, still counts. Um, I, I thought the kid looked pretty good. Uh, I, it's just, for me, I guess the best thing that comes out of this, out of this first game, especially, was what is Pop going to do with the rotations? Because you you got you know, Primo. Is he going to be on this roster proper? Or is, is he going to go down to G league time and spend some more time developing? I mean, it's, it's going to be intriguing. I don't, you know, really, honestly, I don't care any games they win lose. They're going to play an exciting brand of basketball. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch.
1: Yeah, thats that it is. It's going to be fun to watch, but there's going to be a lot of growing pains this season. So We're going to go ahead and get Rudy's thoughts. Rudy, go ahead and, and fire off and let us know how you really feel about this first game that the Spurs played against the Utah Jazz and what you thought about Josh Primo.
2: Well, I mean, I've, the way I've thought about Primo is the same way we, I thought about him when we drafted him. I mean, we... The Spurs needed a guard. I mean, they needed guard play. I know Biggs was probably was the number one, definite you know hole that needed to be filled. Uh, but they ended up doing that very well. I think Drew Eubanks, you know, showed a lot in this first preseason game. The Bigs, like Wesley said, I was more interested in how the Bigs did. Hurdle will have four points, ten boards. He had a couple blocks. Uh, Eubanks was very, very active. Even uh, Lundell, I mean, he was very, very active. He got into you know a bit of foul trouble, and he had I mean not foul trouble, but he had some turnovers. I think five turnovers. Uh, but all these guys, and I was surprised how good of a passer Landell was. I mean, that was really amazing to me. So I think that first game I concentrated more on the bigs and anything else to see Primo actually put up some numbers was, it was a bonus for me. I mean, I didn't get really excited over it. Uh, we saw what he could do in the summer league. So, I mean, I guess for me, it wasn't, you know, crowning him or going on Spurs Twitter and just giving him all the love and you know saying he's the next Kobe Bryant and all this other stuff. No, I mean, I'm not doing any of that. But he can play, but let's be real, he's going to start the season off probably in Austin. So I don't want to get too excited from what I'm seeing. All I want to know is can this Spurs team just continue to improve? I don't care if they win 40 games. I don't care if they win four games. It doesn't bother me. This season is a season of growth. And it's a season to see which players are going to be a part of the future going forward. So I'm taking that type of analyst every single game. I'm taking that inside every single game. Which guys do I feel are going to be a part of this team going forward? This is the year. This is the make or break year for the entire team from DJ all the way down to guys like Lundell and uh, them who just came into the uh, Spurs organization. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing, you
1: know. We need to see what, what these pieces can do. You know, this, the verdict to me is still out on, on one Lonnie Walker. We still need to see what he can do in the context of the regular season. We need to see more consistency out of him. Uh, same thing that goes for Lucas Samanich. You know, we haven't really seen him uh, too much during these first two preseason games. Um, Bryn Forbes looked great, good, you know. I mean, as far as him being able to shoot, I mean, that's why he came out here. You know, we need somebody to make some buckets. They're going to go ahead and go to Bryn Forbes for that. You know, we didn't have very uh, many threes go down for us last season. And with Bryn, you're hoping that's going to go ahead and and be rectified. You know, you do have some bigs on here that can shoot a three as well. So that's a a positive moving forward. You know, I also wanted to uh, keep a close eye on one Devin Vassell. You know, I wanted to see how this young man is coming along. And Devin Vassell, you know, he put up nine points in the night. Against the Jazz, and I gotta say, you know, his shots always looked impressive. I just wanted to see what other uh, weapons this uh, young man has put in his arsenal. You know how far along is he coming? Because uh, I, I really, ho- I'm really hoping that this kid's gonna really develop uh, into a, a, a player that can be very consistent and give us everything we need. You know, as far as not only offense but defense and do a lot of the other little things out there. Because he has a high basketball IQ. I think he's gonna be. Very instrumental to the Spurs' future. So I got a close eye on him. Um, also, you know, seeing what Kata Bates-Diop uh, is going to be able to do. He's Honest, not going to make the roster, is he? This is the thing that I was going to just bring up right now, yeah. too. We have two players that need to be cut before the deadline, you know? So that's another. That's what nice. I was just about to say. I got nice. my eye on Kata Bates-Diop, you know? Uh, Aminu. Aminu is probably the second.
2: If I have to pick two, it's those two guys.
1: Yeah, you know, and we have we have Al Farouk Amino. He did not play in the in the first game. Uh, coach's decision. Uh, neither did Zach Collins because he's injured. You know, we had Trey Jones out. Thaddeus Young, for whatever reason, didn't play um, in that game as well. So,
2: but doesn't lack of depth at the big position kind of solidify Samonic from being cut? I think you it, would
1: think you would think it does, but we have to see what is going to happen because at the end of the day, these guys are 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 going against each other yeah. for those final spots. You know, and basically you got to perform, you got to impress the coaching staff and do exactly what they want out there in order to solidify your your roster spot on this squad. So unfortunately, for two guys out here for two players they're not going to make the cut. You know, they're going to wind up getting cut and maybe they'll find a, a new home with another team or maybe well, they'll be delegated to the G League. What are they at 18
2: right now? I so, think they are already. Okay, 18. so Wise camps in Austin. So that leaves 17. Yeah. They got to cut two. I mean, say if they don't cut Luca because I see a lot of that being thrown around on Twitter. If they don't cut Luca, then are we almost certain that that young stays the entire year?
1: No, he's trade bait. He can't trade him until, was it, October October 10th or
2: 15th or one of the two days. That's
0: three days away, though. It's not like it's the big. Well, no, no.
2: You don't have to make these these cuts until later on, you know, before the season starts. But if we do end up seeing, if he's not traded and we see Luka being cut, then is it safe to say that he's probably going to be a part of the Spurs future this year? I mean, you don't want to give up a guaranteed big guy who's still developing for a guy you're not going to have on the roster all year. Even though he's trade bait, you're not guaranteed to get a, you know, a big in return that is going to probably affect you because we can't, we can't guarantee Jakob's going to stay healthy. I mean, he's had some injury bug. Drew Eubanks is very, very inconsistent in the past couple of years. We can't put all our marbles into Landale. So, there's well, no I, more big. I
1: did like Jock though. Jacques Landell. Yeah, he did. It was he great. could pass, you know, but and you that's the one thing all, I
2: like. We can't put all our marbles in the oh, right No, now. no, right now. So, I mean, that's where I'm kind of confused on the cut part. I've seen people saying but, that Lucas should go because he hasn't had a great preseason, but why would you cut a guy if you're intending to move a Thad Young?
3: But here's my question, guys. So, with, with Samanich, you, you've got a guy who went 19 in the draft, got a guy in Keldon who went 29, right? Same draft, same class. I get it. Two different positions. But can, can we honestly say that they can't find a valuable big somewhere? Somebody's going to get cut from another team, too. I mean, my, my point is simply this. I, I just don't see Simonich having any kind of development that is worthy of him staying on this roster. Right? He's most definitely the worst player that they have that they actually picked through the draft on this team. The player that they have been grooming – and I don't, he hasn't developed, not to the extent that he needs to in order to. If you, I mean, heck, if you even look like a Drew Bangs, I know he's been, he's like the trash of the NBA 2K, right? He's like the guy who gets the lowest rating every. Day. But at the same token, you know he's going to hustle. You know he's going to make mistakes from time to time. Oh, come on, Wesley. Hurt, he
1: developed man. a three point shot in his offseason, man. If it goes consistently, <laughs>
3: yeah, exactly. That's what I'm like. I just don't see that Samanich, I'm not one of those haters on him. But I just don't see that he's done enough to warrant a roster spot over somebody else at this he point. He doesn't
0: give consistent effort when he, when he gets into yeah. an NBA game. And because he doesn't give consistent effort, his actual play is inconsistent. Yeah, I think are, a lot of that... That's probably his biggest issue.
1: I think a lot of that stems from him just getting inside his own head. I think he just uh, second guesses himself a lot. Not very confident in what he wants to accomplish out there on the court in certain game situations. You know, he might overthink it. He might think too too slowly. You know, at times and make the wrong decisions. Uh, He just needs to get better in that regards. And I think that he's already. This is going to be his what third season, right? Yeah. So he's going to have a contract year coming up. You know, and they're going to have to really look at him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think he's done enough to, to warrant an, extended, ex, an extension. But would anybody
2: feel the same if he was drafted 29th? I don't
1: know. I
3: think, honestly, I would. I think I would. I just, it, you know, I, I think the confidence thing is the, one, is the part for me that bothers me about him. It's just that, you know, he's got a good skill set. I know he's a young guy. I know it's, it's hard to not remember that he is young. But at the same token, you're starting to see more and more youth around the NBA. And if you're not developing after three, I just, I don't know. It's in particular, it's the same problem I have with Lonnie in a different way. Lonnie's got some talent. Lonnie's got some quicks. Lonnie's got some athleticism. But if you can't trust yourself to make the right play, if you can't move in a position where after all this time, you don't know what, what the best decision is that, to be made you know, without traveling or without making a, a mental error. You know, I, I don't know. That—that's me as a too. Is like he'll give you a, a flash and go, "Ooh, that's great." But what and then gives? At times you go.
2: Like what gives Lonnie the? Okay, so here's my other question: What gives Lonnie the past that Luca doesn't get? Because Lonnie's been here longer, and he still hasn't developed into the player everybody wants. But yet, people shit on Luca all the time. But he hasn't had the same amount of time as Lonnie Walker. So. That that's my thing. I I mean, yeah, he may he may turn out to not be a great player, but I mean, three seasons you want to get rid of the guy. Second season, you want to get rid of the guy. And everybody says we got to get rid of Lonnie, we got to get rid of Lonnie. Oh, but this is Lonnie's year. You know, we're gonna give Lonnie another chance. These guys are not, you know, they're not the guy type of guys. You know, we're not watching Cade Cunningham, we're not watching Evan Mobley walk through those doors. It's gonna take a lot of time for these guys to develop. Keldon was a very special player. He was a he was a five star athlete coming out of high school. There's no reason why he should not have been a lottery pick. The only reason why I thought he wasn't lottery was because Kentucky just he didn't have that he didn't have that same you know spotlight in Kentucky when you're surrounded by a bunch of blue chip athletes.
0: Well, that's also because Lonnie Walker played at Miami.
2: Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean Lonnie did play at Miami, but again, when you're coming to the NBA, it's a, it's the same thing for me. Why, why get rid of a person when you don't give him the same amount of time you give another guy who's doing the exact same thing?: I mean, can we really say Lonnie is playing way better than Luca? And he's had more NBA
1: time. Lonnie does play a little bit better than Luca, you know, but the, the thing with Spurs fans is that they haven't really even seen what Luca Samanich can actually do, because for one, he doesn't get a lot of playing time. Yeah And then when he does. Doesn't really make the most out of those minutes, you know, very inconsistent. Uh, again, you know, his decision making out there, it's not the best. Uh, he's very tentative, not very aggressive. He has, a, he has some upside to him, but at this point in time, you know, you've already spent,
2: what, the last three seasons trying to develop the kid? He's got to show you something. Basically season, because the first one, we can't really count. I mean, he was in sure. Austin, so we can't really count. I mean, say we gave him a season, and was it even a full season last year? I don't even know if it was. It was a,
1: a full, kind of a 72. full season
2: because of COVID, whatever, you yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, we'll give him the full season. But, you know, I think if you were to give him a little bit of time and he failed, then so be it. But it's, it's kind of like, like, I just go back to the Lonnie thing. Lonnie hasn't done anything worthy of where he was drafted. I mean, that, that's a fact. So it's like I see more, more quote-unquote, you know, armchair GMs shit all over Semonic, but then you stop and don't think and look at the bigger picture. Lonnie's been on the damn roster, the main roster, for a while, and he still hasn't done anything. Luka's been on there for one season without getting minutes. He only got minutes when Rudy Gay was sitting out or somebody was injured, and when he did get those minutes, he actually produced some. So yeah.
1: He I, I, made a bigger turnaround last season from the beginning of the season up until he was where he was at, you know, at the end of the season, it was night and day with the, with the kid, you know. But coming yeah. in to the first preseason game, you know, we, we don't really see a lot out of him. We didn't see much out of him until the second game. The first preseason game that he had against the Jazz, he was only out there for like nine minutes, 39 seconds. I think he put up, what was it here? I'm looking at the stats. Six points, you know, in those nine minutes. Not yeah. bad, but I mean, he's not getting a shit ton of minutes like yeah. the other guys, you know?
3: So hey, that's. I just want to throw this out there. Uh, you know, Rudy, it's a fantastic point about Lonnie. I, I, I think the same thing. You know, my only thing is, why did he get like a little bit longer than... I, I think it has to do with DeMar DeRozan. It has to do with, you know, some of the veterans that were on the squad already, and you've already had a guard-heavy team, so the reliance upon Lonnie to do more isn't bigger. So I agree with you. This, this year in particular, not is. On his year of like, well, maybe he's going to develop, or what is he capable of? For me, this is his year. Like, there's, there's nobody. You're supposed to be a starter, or you're going to be the sixth. You better be able to hold up that end of that bargain, which, to, to be honest, he hasn't shown it. I agree with you 100%. To be honest, you know, I, I'm not sure that that this point, and this is my kind of thinking, only mine. This is just my opinion. I, I kind of think that in the NBA proper right now, it's win now. It is. It's not, hey, let's, let's go ahead and be, let's build a process over six years. It's win now. We know the Spurs aren't, aren't up for that right now. So they have kind of a conundrum. Do you wait a little bit longer to try to develop these players while the other teams are just mix matching pieces together and then winning, getting into the playoffs consistently? You know, that's kind of the point is that you know, how long do you wait on a Dominic? How long, how long do you wait on a, on a Lonnie Walker? Because you're right it's kind of an impatient league right now. You know, do you take the time to say we're going to develop? I don't know. You know, at this point, I think you, you start to lose fans interest in other things. If you don't put a product out there in a few years, it's going to at least get you to the playoffs.
2: I think I pissed off Ben. No, no, but we are going to do,
1: you know, now that uh, Wesley went ahead and (laughs) kind of agreed with, with Rudy. I think that's a great segue now for us to go ahead and transition to going into our next topic, which is going to be the second game of preseason play for the San Antonio Spurs and in this particular game they had the Detroit Pistons and the Detroit Pistons weren't running out there with just a skeleton crew they had some players out there you know so different outcome for the San Antonio Spurs as the Detroit Pistons hand the Spurs their first loss in preseason play by a final score of 115 to 105 and in this particular game and I'm not being mean by any means But when you have Bryn Forbes being your high scorer of the game, that does not look good. Does not bode well for the San Antonio Spurs. Bryn Forbes had a good game. You know, he was out there for 18 minutes, 58 seconds, put up 20 points. You know, leading the way for the San Antonio Spurs, right behind Bryn Forbes, was Keldon Johnson. 26 minutes, 48 seconds is what he played for the night. He had 18 points, two assists, three rebounds. And also two turnovers, but we won't we won't go ahead and shit on Kelden because he had a great game, you know. And you're looking down the list here and you're gonna see, okay, who else contributed? Lonnie Walker, he contributed 26 minutes, 58 seconds, he had 13 points. He was the third highest scoring spur against the Detroit Pistons. You know, so it wasn't a bad night for Lonnie, but you want to see more consistency out of him, you know, Yaka Portal. He had four points in 20 minutes. I mean, he also had, was it, uh, I think he had like two blocks. Yeah, he had two blocks for the night. Derek White, should that be concerning to us a little bit now? We're in our second game of preseason play. Derek White was out there for 25 minutes, 54 seconds. He only put up a quiet eight points, you know, at that. I don't know if that should concern us or should it not concern us. We'll we'll start getting into that. Uh, Thaddeus Young made his preseason debut. 21 minutes 41 seconds and he put up a whopping five points drew eubanks was out there he was out there for 17 minutes 47 seconds he put up three points you know so we also had al farouk aminu played 10 minutes 27 seconds had five points then we had luka samanich he only played four minutes 47 seconds he put up six points that was pretty good you know second preseason game given, you know, hardly any minutes, but still produced on the offensive end, You know, so all in all, it, you know, eh, it wasn't a great effort by the San Antonio Spurs. They fell behind. What about that bum Primo? Primo only had a couple minutes, really? <laughs> What are you talking about? Pr- bro? Josh Primo only played Bruce six Trump minutes, 43 Trump. seconds.
2: No, I, I know. Yeah, <laughs> zero minutes. points. Yeah, I don't know seven minutes. It's just everybody was all Primo this, Primo that, and... You know, HEB sold out of all Primo Primo, primo picks. products and stuff, but yeah. So I mean, <laughs> no, HEB got some
0: money's worth now. Yeah, b- they're
2: happy. But, but the
1: right. the thing was is that the Spurs fell behind quickly. You know, they just right out of the gate, Detroit came and just put a haymaker on them, and the Spurs fell behind by as many as seventeen points. Finally, they woke up and they started making a game of it. You know, and they fell behind by as many as seventeen, made the game interesting. You know, and kind of really made a run at it, you know? And, and in the first quarter, the Spurs were outscored 39-22. Second quarter that's when they started to come alive a little bit here. And I believe at one point, they took the lead by two points. Uh, that was, they, they outscored the, the Pistons 29-15 in that second quarter. Third quarter, Detroit regained the lead, outscored the Spurs 30-25. to 25. In that fourth quarter, they outscored the Spurs by two points, 31-29. to 29. At the end of the day, Final score, 115-105. to 105. Coach Pop kind of said that he was proud of the team for them being able to crawl back into the game, you know, kind of fight their way back in. And I think this is going to be uh, the norm for, for this young Spurs core. They're going to have to go ahead and fight almost every single night because they might fall behind, you know, because they have a lot of inexperience on this team. And then we have a lot of inconsistency on top of that. But those are just some of my observations. We'll go ahead and go to you, Wesley. What were your observations in this second game uh, against the Detroit Pistons?
3: Uh, my, my thoughts were pretty much that uh, it was the tale of what we're going to see all season. One game, they look like world beaters. The next game, they're going to look sloppy. I mean, and we're going to get inconsistent performances from some people in some games and others from, you know, from others. And, uh, you know, I, I think part of what you do in these preseason games is you're looking at um, who, who can get steady minutes, who can get the steady diet of, you know, rotation minutes, and who's going to be reliable, you know, in certain situations you know, when you need to go small, situational moments. Um, I thought you kind of saw that throughout the game. I thought you saw moments where, you know, they found some lineups that worked. Again, during the comeback, you saw some things work for them pretty well. And then um, at other times, you know, again, you know, you, you kind of want a little bit more out of your – out of your young core guys that you know, you're know you hoping will be the ones to kind of press you forward. Uh, like I said, it is kind of concerning that Bryn Forbes was the leading scorer. But, it, but then again, I mean, now, again, I think that just shows, again, the maturation that he has um, since he went to the Bucs. He looks to me like he's got savvy veteran type of feel now. Like it's not the Bryn Forbes like, that hangs his head after he misses the – jump shot or a three-pointer like we saw just two seasons ago, I, I, I look at him and I think, you know, he's going to be a valuable asset, not just for the three-point shooting, but for the fact that, you know, it, when you go win a title with a team, you, you go through that process, you understand. Um, and I, I don't think that can be discounted to some extent. And I, I think that's part of the reason why Pop and, and RC and, and Brian brought him in is just because he's had that maturation process now of, you know, going through – that top level with with another organization and um you know I, I i thought overall again very up and down performance um you know are we going to see the first team that plays up to competition levels this year and then plays down to others um are they just going to play down because that's their competition level all i mean it's just yet to be seen um it was nice to see Thad, thaddeus young get out there and get a little bit a little bit of minutes um i if he's not traded i do hope that he becomes a stable part of the of the rotation because he is a good Big man, and I, I think he um, a, a very a very good pick to to play. Uh, if especially you go small, you go four guards and a, and a and a big. He'd be a really good big to have in the middle. Um, you know, along with the Jakaperto or something like that who could be interchangeable. So, um, yeah, not, there wasn't a lot shown. I, I just again, it was typical preseason basketball, kind of sloppy ebbs and flows.
1: Yeah. So you know, some of the other stats before I go to you, Ben. Points in the paint, Spurs. Yeah, and Pistons both had 14 points in the paint. Biggest lead for the Spurs was two points. I believe that occurred in the second quarter. Pistons had 17, you know, as far as their biggest lead of the game. Second chance points was in favor of the Spurs. They outscored the, the Pistons in second chance points, 7-0. to zero. Fast break points, in favor of the Spurs. The Spurs had five fast break points compared to the Pistons that had none. You know, so the Spurs... They were getting after it. I mean, the pace was in favor of the Spurs. Unfortunately, at the end of the game, it just came down to knocking down shots. The Spurs went through a cold drought, you know, a cold spell right off the bat, and they just could never uh, fully recover from that, you know. They tried, you know, but by then it was already too late. The damage was done in that first quarter. Uh, But other than that, Ben, what were your observations from this game? In particular, what did you see out of our bigs? So,
0: Wes, Brent Forbes is a cheap shooter. That's why he's back. He's a cheap shooter all right faces the floor it doesn't cost you money and playing for the Bucks having a ring he's going to be pretty complacent with his role on the team I think he's not going to demand a lot of shots or a whole lot of PT this as far as the bigs go it's very encouraging like Rudy mentioned earlier Jock Landale good passer not afraid to take to make risky passes Uh, that's kind of why he had some turnover issues as well in a couple of the games but I like where he's at. Drew Eubanks is extending his range when it comes to shooting, which is great. Jakob Pertl is consistent and solid as you want him to be. Problem there. The, the thing that is a little nerve-wracking and frankly quite terrifying is that Lucas Chamanich could only get about five minutes of playing time in preseason game where other guys just weren't getting a whole lot of minutes elsewhere. If you can't crack a rotation in the preseason, knowing that you're a fringe guy right now and your job is not safe, that's a problem. That should signal to you that you need to put in better effort. So that's what I would be looking for next few games from him, assuming he can play time. You know, it's hard to speculate on rotational minutes. Season, that's when everything is getting funky, and there are two extra guys on the team who – wouldn't be getting minutes otherwise, and they are perhaps feeling minutes from people. We don't know who those two guys are. It could be two guys who never played. It could be two guys who are getting decent minutes. We just don't know. So, you know, you, you kind of play with the caveat of that may show itself later for the season. You have to cut those two. So it's it, it, got to take everything with a little grain of salt, whether it's the good or the bad just have to know okay it's preseason things get weird things things do not play out the same way as they do in the regular season and you know the the coaching's not quite the same preseason pop doesn't care about getting wins in the preseason no no coach really should unless you're a coach who you know you have to see you have to see good things from your team like most most coaches will take a loss as long as they're seeing good good stuff from certain players you know Spurs fighting back down from 17, that's a bit of a moral victory for them. In a preseason game, that's totally fine. In a regular season game, that would be kind of unacceptable to get down by 17 at all. Um, then you come back and you have opportunities to win the game as well. I mean, it's frustrating. So, you know, you, you would have two completely different reactions from preseason to regular season. Just... Have to be level-headed about some of this stuff, which of course Spurs Twitter is not. So, you know, see what we can do. Try and make it happen, folks.
1: Yeah, so going to you next, Rudy. Observations that you saw in this second game against the Pistons. And is there anything here that kind of concerns
2: you? You know, concerning no. I mean, I it's preseason, man. I can't really get too much concerned to read into too much of what's going on in the preseason. I mean, Keldon had a great game. Yes, Bryn had a g- great game, and I'm kind of agreeing with Ben. I mean, he's, com- he's content with what he's doing. He's got a title already. He's got a ring. He's here just to, you know, shoot the ball in the bucket. Hell, I was at Incredible Pizza right now, and I scored 40 on that machine out there. So, Spurs ever need a shooter, I can definitely suit up for <laughs> them. Uh, you know, for me, with, with the Pistons, I, I just wanted to see the consistency, and— Jakob didn't have, you know, the best game. He didn't have the same type of game he had against the Jazz. I mean, I know, you know, it's different if Rudy Gobert's there. Uh, but the one guy that stood out to me still kind of the same, you know, was Landell. I mean, seven minutes, four points, four boards. I mean, if you give him more minutes, the it increases the volume he gives you. And that's the same for a Lucas Simonic. I mean, five minutes, six points. If you increase the volume, they're going to produce... And I kind of agree with what Ben, you know, was saying. If you can't crack a lineup, you know, even in preseason, it doesn't look really, really good. But, I mean, my surprise, Joe, is Derek White, 26 minutes. I mean. That's what I'm saying. Eight points. And it's not so much the points, but you have a guy who's often injured in the Spurs organization why the hell are you playing him close to 30 minutes in a game, in a preseason Thank you. game at that? Thank I mean, you. we know he can do, and I'm not, again, I'm not coming down on Coach Pop. I mean, for all people are listening that are going to hear this, I'm not coming down on him. But a guy who's often injured playing damn near 30 minutes in this game, I don't buy that at all. This should be a preseason where Derek plays at the most 20 minutes, 18 minutes 15 total. 15 minutes, I mean, man. I, I mean, at the most, yeah, yeah, 15 minutes would be good. But – 26 minutes. I mean, three of 12 from the field. He didn't have a great game. 0 for 5 from three. I mean, yeah, you're gonna have an off night, but still, I I don't like seeing that for a guy that's often injured. The rest of the team. I mean, it was. It's just another game right now. It's just another game. We're trying to get a feel. You're not gonna have the same type of, uh, I guess, the same type of mentality when you've got two new guys in the and young getting minutes now. They've got to get used and accustomed to what the Spurs organization or the Spurs team is right now. Uh, they haven't played with these guys at all. So they're going to have to get used to that. So I kind of expected a little bit of a fallout. I didn't, I actually thought the game was a lot closer than what it should have been. I thought Detroit was actually going to come out a win, you know, by a bigger margin. Yeah, well, especially when they went up by 17 early. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew it was going to be a tough game, but again, you know, Lonnie had a good game, you know, Keldon is just trucking along. Bryn's going to do his thing. Vassell's another one. I mean, eight points in 23 minutes. Again, I like Devin Vassell. I think he's going to be a really good player this year. But just keep expectations low. I mean, right now it's preseason. You know, regular season starts October 20th, I believe. So right now just keep them low. However they are, I I don't want to go on Twitter every single day after a Spurs game or right after the game's over and you know, this the city is burning, or we're throwing confetti like it's fiesta every single day. Or I mean, the acronym is fire
1: pop, fire the front fire office, pop, get rid of RC's
2: done. you know, come on. I mean, it's preseason, relax. Aaron Rodgers says it's year after year R E L A X, relax, calm down. There's going to be struggles. We saw struggles in this game. There's nothing much you can actually look into this and say. Problem, 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 problem. Not yet. The only problem I see is playing Derek White that many minutes in a preseason game. It's a useless game. Don't play him that much. Yeah, he can break his
1: toe or break his foot or something. You know, we, we don't want that to happen. For you,
2: a guy that means so much to the Spurs team because when yeah. he's injured, all you ever hear is people bitching, well, he's out. We're not doing good because Derek White's not playing. He's not in the lineup. Why the hell are you playing him this much in a preseason game? Yeah, and then he took a charge. I saw that, and that was a pretty – Pretty yeah. vicious uh, charge
1: that he took. It was a no-call. Yeah. You know, you can't have that happen too many times because then sooner or later he's going to get injured. You know, another thing I thought that was interesting last night, in yesterday's game against the Pistons is uh, Coach Pop's decision to sit DeJounte Murray and not play him, period. And they went ahead and inserted one Lonnie Walker. I think to me that was kind of telling. They want to see what he can do. You know, and they gave mm. him a shit ton of minutes. He had 26 minutes, 58 seconds, put up 13 points, and, the, and, you know, with that many minutes, um, he, he attempted 18 shots. He knocked down six from the field. Three-point attempts, he, had, he attempted eight. He knocked down just one. Okay, I mean, I think they're going to test him a little bit more in preseason play just to see what he can do. Because let's be honest, if they start moving forward into the regular season, is Lonnie, Lonnie Walker going to wind up getting 20-plus minutes a night? Every single game, I don't know. You know, um, maybe they're just trying to test the waters and see what he can do right now. I mean, what are your observations
2: on that, Rudy? I I think right now with Lonnie Walker, I mean, you've got to get him the minutes. What what I what I when I dive into the rabbit hole when it comes to Lonnie Walker is I don't know if they know where he fits on the team well we've said we don't even know we don't, know we don't think he, he
1: knows what he what he exactly. is at this point yeah His, exactly he, right.
2: he doesn't have us like he's a small forward he's a guard but where do you fit on this team it seems like you try every single year they try to find a role for him and it doesn't work and so it's like okay we're gonna start him tonight all right we're gonna bring you off the bench okay this is what we're gonna do it's like he's a nomad in this in this on this team. We don't know where he fits. And I think they're still trying to figure out where is where does Lonnie Walker make this team better? We don't know. And we still don't. I mean, we've tried him as a three-point shooter for a while. And he knocks him down, but then he goes cold. We say, here's the ball, get to the basket. He gets to the basket and he blows a dunk or a layup. I mean, we don't know where he fits, and I think that's where Pop is probably more confused in the coaching staff is, where does Lonnie fit on this team? He fits. We just He's like that piece of the puzzle where you know it fits somewhere. It just where? I mean, it looks like it goes here, but it doesn't. It looks like it goes here, but it doesn't. They've got to find where he fits, where his role is on this team. Well, right now they have him as, what, a
1: shooting guard? Because he's too small to play a small forward. You know, he's only six foot four. I mean, where else are you going to put the kid? You know, you can't put him at a power forward position.
2: I mean, wasn't you know? he a, wasn't he playing point for a little bit yeah, too?
1: Point forward. You I know, mean, that's to me really at the end of the day. I mean, you're either going to put him as a shooting guard. You're going to try him out as a point guard. Well,
2: then they say he's util- they, they say, well, I'm a utility player. I can do everything. Yeah. Well, you can't do everything because you haven't done everything.
3: You have two utilities.
0: Yeah,
2: exactly.
3: <laughs> Hey, I want to point something out, and it's it's the same thing. And Ben, you can stop me and tell me I'm off my rocker, but I thought when he came out of college that he had a confidence problem, and I thought that you know part of the thing was he deferred too much. He didn't, you know, part of the knock on him as as I remember it coming out of Miami was that you know he had all sorts of crazy hops and crazy athletic ability. But there was just between the ears, there was a bit of a problem in terms of just, you know, trusting what he's gonna do, how he's gonna do, and those kind of things. And to me, I still see that kind of thing with him. I you know, I yeah, I agree with all of what y'all are saying. You know, it's where does he fit? But I think part of the process is Bonnie has to almost be coaxed into shooting the ball. He almost has to be coached, you know, coached into, you know, being aggressive, you know, and to me it's like for a guy who's got all of that ability, you just, where's the killer instinct? That's my, that's my thought in, in his whole development that he's still missing is he could go to the ball, the basket anytime he wants, you know, put on a dazzling display, hang in the air, get an and one anytime he wants. He could get his shot off against anybody anytime he wants. He's the fastest guy on the court most nights at his position, whatever that might be. But I just think that it's between his ears at this point. And I, I, Ben, you could say I'm wrong, but I'd seen, I, I seem to remember him coming out of Miami that that was kind of a thing, too, that you know, the knock on him was and the reason he wasn't drafted higher is because you know, there was offensive you know, issues there and I, confidence.
2: Can I ask Ben a question real quick as far as Lonnie goes? Is, and you, this would, you definitely would be able to come with this, Ben. Yeah. When I look at Lonnie Walker and the way he plays, he resembles to me exactly the way Harold Miner came into the league. Very athletic, can score, but very inconsistent. I, and every time I watch him play, Harold Miner comes to mind because wow. he could win a dunk contest. He can, dunk, he can jump out of the gym, but you have so high of an expectation for him to be a great player or a better player that Harold Miner could get you points and get you buckets from time to time, but it's not consistent and that's the one guy that I always look at. I don't know if you can maybe maybe see that as well or maybe see somebody different.
0: Harold Minor, really man, that's a great grab. Um, I am not as familiar with Harold Minor as I should: I Oh my seem. god but I, that's not to say I haven't <laughs> heard the name and I haven't seen some tapes, but it's been a long time um, it's I, it's been a while since I've gone down that YouTube hole. Um, (laughs) But I don't, I wouldn't disagree with that. uh, The way you've described him is, and what Wesley has said is, I would say is fairly accurate where he was a guy at Miami. He probably could have been the guy if he wanted to be, but he didn't really want to be. And he, he has, Supreme athleticism. Absolutely. And like Rudy said, is a guy who can jump out of the gym. He is a pogo stick. And he has issues. He's had issues finishing at the rim, whether, you know, regardless of what the kind of finish is, he's had issues with that. And he has also been inconsistent, but he's shot. The weird part is he shot 30, I think 35.5% from three last season but it wasn't on volume. So it's hard to really say and extrapolate how he might be a better shooter than we think. Again, that comes back to being consistent. And I think some of it, again, a part of what Wes said was he's a guy who, if he wanted to, we could go and get to the rim. You can go and get his shot. He doesn't, he doesn't. It's either he doesn't have the confidence to go out and be aggressive in certain spots, or he's afraid to be aggressive because he want he need, he thinks he needs to um, defer to the other guys on the team, to to a Dejounte or to a Derek White or or someone else on the team. But it's you know if you're on the floor with a Drew Eubanks, a Jakob Purtle, uh, po- whoever, it whoever doesn't even really matter who the point guard is, and maybe Keldon Johnson at small forward you you know, maybe defer to DeJounte or Derek white to make a play, but not to shoot the ball. I mean, you, Keldon Johnson has, it looks like he's improved his shooting since last season. He looked good in the limited time with team USA. And, um, I've liked how he looks so far this post preseason season. I'm getting way ahead of myself. Not um, for a while. Not for a while. Whoo! <laughs> I might have to wait a couple years on that one, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he's a guy who's just—he—he sh- he shouldn't be second guessing himself. If you're going to shoot it, just shoot it. If you're going to go to the rim, just go. Just—I I feel like a lot of times, you know, Pop and that coaching staff will live with a mistake as long as it's an aggressive mistake. If—if if you're not making a mental mistake, if you're not being a dummy, if you're not giving him a a, a lack of effort, then they'll live with that mistake. They, they want to see guys be aggressive and try and get shots and try and take advantage of what they might perceive to be a mismatch. So, yes. Uh, Harold Miner to what Wes said, all of it. Yes, all of it. He is, he, Lonnie Walker needs to show some consistency. Yeah, so that's
1: the thing. that the, the think the theme of tonight's Spurs talk is Lonnie Walker, more consistency. We, we kind of understand that aspect of it at this point. I mean, that's what you're expecting out of him coming into the regular season, you know? And I think that's exactly what the coaching staff is trying to get out of him by giving them a lot of minutes, um, you know, like they did this last night, you know, against the Pistons. Uh, They're trying to get him in that, that way of thinking and get him in that flow of things already. So hopefully it can come to fruition where he'll be a little bit more productive, this coming season. Because if not, I don't know if the Spurs are going to extend the kid. I don't care how much athletic ability he has. He needs to just show more more consistency. And I know a lot of Spurs fans have already said they're done with him. You know, So the verdict's out on Lonnie right now. If he doesn't show consistency, I'm sure that the Spurs will wind up parting ways with the kid, unfortunately. So we're going to go ahead and transition here and talk a little bit about Major League Baseball, because that's what we do now on the Two Shots podcast. We started talking about Major League Baseball, and we're going to kind of continue that talk. I was quite excited that my Red Sox did win against the New York Yankees in the wild card. Unfortunately, not looking so good right now for my Red Sox as they are down to the race 3-0 to at the top of the fourth. But I think that was to be expected, Rudy, because as you had said, you know,
2: it's probably going to be, in your eyes, a sweep. I, I might give the Red Sox one game but yeah I mean the Ray. when it comes to the uh, uh the uh, I, know, I mean the Razor, I mean golly, I can't really say uh, much about them. the Ra- the Ra- I mean the AL I'm sorry not the NL. the AL the Rays are the team to beat in the AL I mean they've got one of the absolute best farm systems in baseball and it's showing with Wander Franco and everybody coming out of there they're the team to beat in the AL The Red Sox beat the Yankees. You won the rivalry right there, but it stops there. I mean, it's it's not going to go further. I I, they might. I mean, I would say you can't really say anything because the Giants were expected not to do anything this year again. But you never know. But it it just they're going to be overmatched big time against the Rays. Yeah,
1: and the Rays are kind of deep because this is a team that was uh, having to play through injury. Yeah, and even though they lost some people, you know, some of their players, they actually got better. There. even with injury. So that means that this is a pretty damn good team, you know? I mean, they won
0: 100 games. You're a pretty good team if you can win triple digits in a
1: season. Yep. Yeah, and they didn't have to play in a wild card game <laughs> to, to get the play also in, bad. you know, like the Red Sox. I mean, the Red Sox are not the Red Sox of old. Let's be honest, you know, but no. I'm still a diehard still fan. They're still better
0: than the current Yankees. Well, they bested the <laughs> Yankees, so
2: there you go. The Yankees, the reason why the Yankees lost is because you spent so much damn money on Garrett Cole instead of solidifying an entire pitching rotation. You need more than one damn pitcher to guarantee your spot further and further into the playoffs. You've got the, you've got murderers row when it comes to bats, but you have nothing but fluff pillows when it comes to pitching. And even Garrett Cole was not super, super great.
3: He was garbage last. He, I mean, terrible the, uh, no. in that game. Yeah. Terrible,
1: you know. But credit to the, the Red Sox though, because they came out and they were aggressive. And you know, the thing is, a lot of teams in this situation would have gotten scared by the by the Yankees bats. You know, oh let's let's not you know be they're they afraid to pitch aggressively. You know, and the kudos to the Red Sox for actually having a pair of ball a balls throwing a pair. And going at them aggressively on pitching. If, you know, they were, they if were there pitching. were
0: pitching. one team who was not going to be afraid of the Yankees, it was going to be the Red Sox. Their, yeah, yeah. Their, their capacity to hate the Yankees far outweighs any sort of capacity they have to be afraid of them.
1: Yeah, so, you know, credit to the Red Sox. They came out with the game plan, be aggressive. They were either going to say, you know what, we're going to outpitch them or we're going to give it our best shot and they're just going to hit every damn thing we throw at them. And good for the Red Sox that it actually worked, you know? So their, their gamble worked for them, you know? And let's hopefully they can keep this going and maybe win
2: one or two games against the Rays. I hope, Rudy, I'd hate for it to be a sweep. It, it looks like it might be, but like I said, I, I'll give them one game. The the uh, The whole MLB playoffs, I mean, it's it's fire. I, I love the MLB playoffs this year. All the matchups are good, even though we saw the Strohs beat the White Sox pretty bad today. The White Sox are a way better team than what they showed today, but to be honest, I, I, I want to say the World Series champion is going to come out of the Giants and Dodgers game uh, series. It's just the Dodgers are a little, a little skeptical right now, only because of Clayton Kershaw being out. Um, but again, you know they've got the all around team to get past the Giants, you know as well, and if they do. I think we're watching this whole, this whole series is going to be a chance for, for us to see who's going to be the winner of the World Series. It's going to come down to these two teams, whoever comes out of the series. And might
1: I add, who the hell scheduled this damn game against the Astros and the White Sox for tomorrow at 1.07 p.m.? Are you freaking kidding me? I oh, yeah. was
0: just going to say, Joe, you want to talk about the MLB playoffs. Let's talk about the idiots who schedule these things, right? This is your <laughs> postseason and you are scheduling games in the middle of the day when your fans are unable to go to those games. They're at work. Who are the morons who
3: plan the games? That makes okay. no sense. Yeah, it makes total sense, guys. Look, you're not looking at this from the, the right perspective here. Okay? That's a garbage time, right? The Astros beat on garbage cans. <laughs> Damn.
1: There you go. You know what?
2: I'm going to have to tell Chris Duell about that one because he's going to come at you, Wes. But at the same time, MLB is not like the NBA where game one of Spurs and Nuggets is Friday. Game two is the following Friday. I mean, MLB wants to get it in, get it out. Let's get this over with. We own October, so we're getting it done in October. This isn't the NBA where the playoffs last from, you know, March to June. I mean, that's just ridiculous. They're not
0: messing around because the Red Sox played a night, right? March is college basketball time, oh, sir. Lord. You okay, show sorry. Oh, yeah, I'm you sorry. I'm sorry. It's forgot. April,
2: April to June. I am
0: triggered.
2: It's a, the NBA playoffs last as long as NHL season. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> it's bad. But the NHL playoffs aren't, are aren't actually playoffs quite enjoyable. very similar? Kind of, yeah. It seems like we're in game one of the NHL playoffs, and then you're like, God, these two teams are still playing. Oh, it's only game five. Oh, golly. Yeah, but what I was going to say is the Red Sox are playing
1: tonight against the Rays. Tomorrow they play again against the Rays. At 6.02, I'm like, (laughs) another early Um, start.
0: uh, Yeah, the the Braves play at, uh, there's a game at 5.07. The Braves are playing tomorrow at 3.37. I just...
1: Well, you got to get we, the crap out doing? of the way what? first because the
0: Dodgers oh, and Giants are the headliners. I mean, I, I, have to, I have to know. I have to know. Who decided that, you know what? We're going to start at 07 after the hour. We're going to start seven <laughs> minutes after the hour. We're not going to start yeah. our broadcast at 5. 5.07. But you got to have what? seven so minutes worth of trailers. Commercial times?
2: You got to have seven minutes worth of trailers. They got to so get those trailers seven in.
3: Seven minutes of trailers <laughs> for a playoff game. Incredible. Well, I I think a lot of this just has to do with the fact that, you know, this is, this is partly why the MLB has, in my opinion, they have the best postseason any, you know, of any sport. I I think that I honestly think that, No, you do know, I know I do. And here's why it, it, because like, as to what Joe was saying, because you play a game every pretty much every day, you know, and I think the fact is, yeah, it's not ideal that they play in the daytime or that they play at five Oh seven. But the idea is that they do this also in the regular season. I mean, you Know the matinee games, it's the series and the way they go. And I and I don't, and I kind of despise the regular season. So, you know, am I a huge fan of that? No, but let's be honest, we got to get through this first round because you want to see the next round and then you want to see the World Series. So, to me, like, I, I could care less. You know, it, it's I, I don't think I'm going to watch a game. You know, obviously, I, I'm, I'm working, so you know, uh, but nonetheless, you know. It's kind of fun to, to check by during your lunch hour. Hey, I want to watch a little baseball and, and check out the matinee, you know, time frame. So, and it's meaningful baseball. So I don't know, you know, part of it's like, I don't really care so much. It's like, as, as long as they get the right, you know, the right teams get through and you get to see some quality baseball and Hey, by the way, don't count out the San Antonio rays Okay, to, oh, to take it all.
1: You know, I was joking with Rudy earlier and I was telling him, if San Francisco does in fact go all the way, do they go ahead and wheel out one Barry Bonds to kind of wave high to the crowd? <laughs> He's probably yeah, gonna he charge high him.
0: with his neck. Come Can't on. miss that. Come, Come on. Oh my god.
2: Come on. Uh-huh. Leave Barry alone. What did Barry ever do to you? Barry didn't do anything. Nothing. Absolutely <laughs>
0: nothing. Except for that he was like a total D bag to everybody.
2: everybody. Well, Okay, so you're in Atlanta, so that was back when the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Braves were playing pretty frequently, right?
0: He was a Smoltz fan. Good times.
2: Yeah. That you, was, was a, yeah. you
0: were
1: a
2: John Smoltz kind of guy, Ben.
0: Man. John, I don't know about John Smoltz. I, I don't know Ben.
2: I know Ben's like 25, so he doesn't remember all the stuff, but those were the days of Bobby Bonilla, Barry Bonds, Andy yeah. Van Slyke, against Sid Bream, Ron Gant, uh, Terry Pendleton, all those guys. I don't think Ben remembers any of them. I was telling Rudy, I remember, <laughs> I
1: remember when Barry Bonds first came into the to the to play for the MLB. The guy was real thin.
0: Yep. Ben, I'm gonna yeah, be honest his with you. Neck was man. a third of the size that yeah. it is now.
2: Yeah, but he was he was the fear, most feared batter even in Pittsburgh. You, you didn't want to pitch to the guy, and you still didn't want to pitch to him, even though he was not juicing. I believe in my Barry boy. What did you boy. say, Rudy? You still have Stop. to hit the ball. You still have to hit the ball. I don't care how it is. Bugs Bunny struck out that big dude that juiced on the cartoon every <laughs> single time. You have to hit You've the gotta ball. You got to hit ben. the ball. And he was swinging did, with a did, actual wood, like a trunk, did it, tree trunk.
0: Didn't Bugs Bunny get. What, wasn't there a literal, like almost a literal train of that guy running the bases because he kept hitting home runs off Bugs Bunny yeah, before was that, yeah. Yeah. Dun, 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 Bugs Bunny dun, dun, dun. realized his mistake?
2: Yeah, that's right. Well, bug oh, Bugs, yeah, Bugs had a Garrett Cole inning.
3: <laughs> yeah, so that, I, I, you have to say that Barry Bonds definitely was not doing trades when he was playing for. A bit. Come on, let's let's be no, honest. Well, let's it. be honest. Let's be honest oh, for a second
1: here. Every every major, let's say. MLB superstar back in the day before they started testing, how many of these guys were actually doing the clear juicing before they got busted? I mean, let's be honest here. A lot of the other, let's say players knew what was going on. They just don't say anything. You know, it wasn't until we started hearing, Oh, look at what's going Uh, on with Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds. One
0: of the other things I hate about baseball, the many unwritten rules of baseball. If it's unwritten, it's not a rule. That's how that works. You
1: have to misremember. So remember stop. the famous words from Eddie, Andy Petit. Remember? Against Roger Clemens. I misremembered. You remember yeah. that. You remember, yeah, Rudy. I remember
2: that. Yeah, I <laughs> and, and, See, unwritten rules of sports is just total dog shit. I mean, I really hate the unwritten rules that they claim. Like in an NBA game, oh, you're up by 20 points, and oh, I stole the ball, I'm going to go dunk it. That's disrespectful. I was taught you play till the buzzer sounds. Whether are you bats. are up 20, Maybe. down 20, whatever. You play till the buzzer sounds. All these guys, that's disrespectful. That, that You know what? Piss off. I mean, who cares? The whole thing about the latest was Denver and Baltimore in the NFL – Baltimore wanted to continue that rushing streak they had. So they already had the game one, but they ran a sweep and got the rushing, the, the yardage they needed to continue the streak. Pissed yeah. off Denver. Who gives a crap? If you don't yeah, want well, them to break a record, stop them.
0: Right. The whole, the whole, the funniest thing to me was like they took the five yards to get their record. Okay, fine. That's fine. Meanwhile, Denver is down by like three scores, and they're still trying to throw into the end zone at the end of the game when they know they can't get the ball back and score again. So exactly. it's like, who's dumber? All right? Exactly. Like, who cares? There's no 16-point play in football. So what do you think was going to happen, big hey, uh, Fangio? What do you stop think was going to
3: happen? Ben, stop it. Hey, you're, you're, again, you're not seeing the bigger point here. You not remember the last time we were together? We talked about the puke ball. One minute oh, left, God. 24 to 7. Hey, it's never too late to win the game. <laughs> Come on now.
1: They you actually know, had a quarterback on that's that. That's high school. The thing that's is, a
0: completely different level of Tom. Yeah. We
1: right? never talked about on that episode. Okay, the, the guy he went ahead and the quarterback puked on the ball and then threw it to the guy in the end zone, and they won the game. At the end of the at the end of the game, who gets the ball? Nobody.
2: <laughs> the ball, yeah. <laughs> the loc uh, the, was, lo- the local uh, the local COVID testing place got the ball. you had to be tested <laughs> for everything. Here you go, you
1: deserve the the soak puked football, no man, I'm good. <laughs> Can you imagine if you just went ahead and just gradually gingerly wash that thing off and then stow it away? I wonder if it still smells like puke ten years later, <laughs> considering that
2: was one of the greatest comebacks in high school is high school football history. I wonder if that ball went into the uh Hall of
1: Fame. <laughs> they should have washed it, dude,
2: <laughs> yeah, look at Ben. He's like, uh-huh. <laughs> The Football Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah, this was the, uh, the infamous puke ball. I was like, oh,
0: The puke God. ball. <laughs> it
3: has to be sponsored by some kind of food company. We actually too, added like, oh, back
0: the patina from the, from the vomit because oh, we had to God. wash it off initially.
1: That was so, an awful
0: lot of good. puke. I'm
1: not going to lie, man.
0: This is, so, this is only for aesthetics. This is not real puke. Yeah, that was ahead, freaking nasty.
3: For real, though, it, if it goes in the Hall of Fame, it has to be sponsored by whatever food company the kid was eating before he oh. puked on it, right? So it has yeah, to have that you. kind of sponsorship.
1: Sponsored by Checkers. No, no. You want puke, <laughs> you go to wrong. In-N-Out. It's sponsored by In-N-Out.
3: There you go. Derf.
0: Yeah,
1: but I bet you those animal fries will probably last a long time. They'll oh. still be fresh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's bad.
1: Hey, but as we start transitioning here, because we're talking about football at the end of the MLB talk, so let's just go <laughs> ahead and dive into the football talk now. We have the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, the Cowboys lead... The division right now, the NFC East, they're three and one, you know, that's kind of surprising to me, but things are about to get a little bit more difficult for Cowboy fans because the Cowboys are going to go ahead and be facing the lowly New York Giants. And anytime they face the Giants, the Giants always play the Cowboys tough. The Giants are one and three. The Cowboys are three and one. Anything can happen. The schedule doesn't get any easier for the Cowboys. They're going to, after the Giants, they're going to go and face the Patriots. And they got the Vikings, the Broncos, and yes, Rudy, they do have the Falcons on November the 14th. And maybe Chick-fil-A will be open that day. Oh, no, it's not because it's a Sunday. (laughs) It's a Sunday.
2: (laughs) <laughs> it's being played in Dallas. <laughs> Jerry doesn't have a Chick Fil well, A in
0: I Dallas. I got Falcons so. games or Monday night football games because your boy has to have his <laughs>
2: Chick Fil A. I just like
1: making fun of Rudy because who the hell puts a Chick Fil A in the stadium and they know the the games are going to be played on, Sunday? Games on Sunday?
0: Well, <laughs> oh, they, they put it in there knowing that they have an SEC championship game every year, which is on a Saturday. Yeah, there's a soccer team that plays in there on non Sundays, and um. So basically,
2: you're saying the Falcons are worth a shit. Basically,
0: I mean, <laughs>
2: no, they. You can be honest about it. I, I am one that believes the Falcons are terrible. I mean, they
0: should have drafted a quarterback. I've been
2: screaming that for years. They like the one they have. They like Matt Ryan. RC Buford must Washington. be the uh, the, uh, yeah, the guy problem in charge. Like
0: the one they've had for at least fifteen years. And at some point, he's not the same quarterback.
2: Well, no, he became—he didn't become the same quarterback when he got rattled at twenty-eight to three in that Super Bowl.
3: After no, don't that put Super that Bowl on law, him. Oh, that no, no, was terrible it's not on calling, him. You know
2: that. No, no, it's not on him. But as the quarterback, as the leader, when you give up that lead in the biggest game of the year, you are never the same. A la Brad Lidge from the Houston Astros. He gave up that home run to Albert Pujols in the postseason and was never the same, ever. He didn't get to that point. I mean, the Astros, you know, played like shit to get to that point, but you have Lidge come in to close it in a very, you know, against a very good Cardinals team then. Pujols rocked his world. Guess what? Brad Lidge, no more. Same thing for
1: Matt and Ryan.
0: Much like my good friend Michael McDonald says, things will never be the same again.
1: Or you all forgot to mention what happened, you know, with the Bills and the, and the, and the Oilers, you know, 1993, 41-38, final score. Let's not that forget that one. I that watched that game.
2: Yeah, that was bad. Love but you,
0: Blue. You deserve it.
2: Jim, I don't see how they just don't give Jim Thurman and all these guys a ring. I mean... <laughs> My God! No, I mean, being serious, you there's no I team mean, that'll go to what four Super Bowls, four in, a Super Bowls in a row. I mean, yeah. that'll never be done. Period. Uh, give them the pity ring. I don't care. They just des- they deserve a ring just for doing
3: that. Actually, it'll start happening this year when the Cowboys it make, it, oh
2: and then make it. Oh my God! Next year you better shut your year, mouth, Wesley.
1: You know what? Let's. I think we lost Wesley. Oh. If, oh. If, the Cow- if the yeah.
2: Cowboys make it to the Super Bowl. I'm busting out the VHS and the uh, VHS tape, and I'm recording it old school. I will record yeah. that game old school because it'll you, go right in line with the other Rudy,
0: ones. Rudy, you just confused a whole generation of people. They don't know what those three letters together <laughs> mean. <laughs>
2: VHS? Oh, my God. Yeah, well, that was the last time, like they said, the Cowboys won a Super Bowl was in the VHS
1: I'm, era. I'm so. out
0: here ready to break out of Betamax, dude. Yeah, beta oh, Max's my God.
1: But anyway, the Cowboys do have a tougher schedule ahead of them. We
0: stopped at the
1: Falcons, but they also have the Chiefs. They play the Raiders, the Saints, and the Washington football team.
2: But there's nobody that scares you on that schedule. But you're talking about the Cowboys, Rudy. Yeah, and again, I kind of... Everybody's scared. (laughs) I hate that I've defended the Cowboys lately, but I've actually defended them a lot because they're... They are so much better at the coordinator position, and that's what makes the difference for this team. You don't rely on a, you know, a head coach like Jason Garrett, the clap, who just claps his way to games and all this stuff. Kellen Moore was young, but now that Kellen Moore is able to just do what he knows how to do, run the offense the way he wants to, McCarthy has taken a step back.
1: McCarthy's trash, dude. His play calling Mc- is horrible. McCarthy's his clock is managing is
0: off. He's a Y'all babysitter. you wonder why Aaron Rodgers didn't like him? Although to mm-hmm. be fair, Aaron Rodgers probably doesn't like a whole lot of people. But
2: yeah, no, he doesn't really. But Dan Quinn's a bit difference maker, and I know a lot about Dan Quinn. I mean, he was a head coach for yeah, the you Falcons. Do. Yeah, I, I, of course I do. He's a Florida hell man of a Dan <laughs> Quinn. He's a hell of a defensive coordinator, and you're seeing it today. I look at the schedule, and I get the. I get them thinking like, well, okay, it's a little bit tough. The Giants, yawn. The Patriots, yawn.
1: The Cowboys can lose against the Giants
2: for whatever reason. The Giants always play them tough no matter
1: they what, do. Their,
2: what their uh, uh, record but is. But that was Eli Manning, though. This doesn't is, matter. I think the Giants in New York are tougher than the Giants going to Dallas and play. Even the Chiefs game. I, I'm completely not sold on the Chiefs being a great team this year. I don't really have them going to the Super Bowl this year in the AFC.
1: I mean, really, what has been their biggest issue this year? Hasn't it been defense? Defense
2: has been, has yeah. been big. And not only that, Mahomes is getting rattled this year. Oh, man. I mean, you, the Cowboys have a, they have a fast-paced defense. You can credit Dan Quinn to that. But you got Dak on one leg, dude. That's the thing that scares me
1: is that he was running in that last game that they had. <laughs> he was running i mean he was sprinting against the panthers and i gotta be honest he was kind of looking like he wasn't trusting his own ankle that much i'd be
2: more worried if the offensive line wasn't playing the way that they are and yep. they've actually balled out well
1: they've they've had some some big big time uh let's say holes yeah. in that offensive line yeah. where they've come in and they've gotten to deck real quick yeah. and you're talking about some pretty big guys and every time i see that happening i'm just like please let that ankle hold up man because if it snaps again He's already had a hell of a surgery. I mean, you could be talking about something that could be career-ending. You know? Yeah. So you don't want to okay. see that happen to, Fellas, to somebody let me like say that. This,
3: okay. So, I I I'm all in all seriousness. I really like the way the Cowboys are playing. They're very balanced. In every every capacity they're deep, and I think to Rudy's point, the defense is playing well. They're not playing great. They're playing well. They've played a lot better really than in years up. past, uh, Wesley. So they're, they're really banged up. And, 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 you know, one thing that – and I know we haven't mentioned it yet, but to cut a player like Jalen Smith is something that Jerry Jones and every other coach on, uh, that coached the Cowboys over the past however many years, and since Jimmy, would have never done. But to cut a player like that right now says, this team is serious about taking the step into, you know, both the playoffs to being a championship-level organization – you know, we can laugh it up because we've had 26 years of expectation to try to make them want to be a Super Bowl champions and all of us willing them to be Super Bowl champions. But the fact of the matter is, is that this offense right now, how do you game plan it? OK, let's say you take the running game away. OK, great. Dak's going to eat you up. You got two great wide receivers, one on IR, but the third receiver spot, they've got interchangeable pieces. You have two very capable tight ends that are very under, underrated. In both Darwin uh, and uh, Blake Jarwin, and also in Colts, and then you've got you know a, a very athletic and very capable CD Lamb on the outside that can do most anything he wants to with the ball in his hands. I mean, this offense to me right now, this is the best offense in football. And on defense, when they start to get some of their players back, because let's not get that for a minute, they literally are playing pretty salty defense for the most part with guys going from a different position to try to play end because they, haven't, they don't have the depth there, and it's still working out for them. And we can say, okay, well, that's just for Guys, they beat the Chargers on the road. Chargers are a really good football team. That is a really good football team. So I, I'm just saying this right now. Nothing scares me on that schedule. Eve's give a little bit of pause just because Mahomes can beat Mahomes. One, he can get hot, and he can tear you apart any, any day. You know, but honestly, I I think the Cowboys are going to run away with this division. I think they're on track to probably go thirteen and four this season, and then the questions really become, and they win in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, and you know, you have a lot of good points there, <clears throat> but the one thing that's always come back to bite the Cowboys is consistency. You know, yeah. as the end of the season starts to wane on, they kind of faded away, and you know, as their as their schedule comes and it looks like it's going to start getting a little bit more difficult. Are they going to wind up fading away? Or are they going to find a way to pull together and push on through? You know, that's the thing. You want to see the team grow. This might be the year, you know, that we see them actually make the playoffs. And hopefully, you know, they can get past uh, the first round, you know. Um, but in another Cowboy news, too, we had uh, the Cowboys. They went ahead and released, uh, you were saying, you know, uh, Jalon Smith and, Lo and behold, guess who picked him up? Green Bay Packers. They wind up signing him. Uh, former linebacker, Jaylon Smith. So how ironic would it be if we wind up f- facing the Green Bay Packers? <laughs> if, in fact, the Cowboys do make the playoffs. You know, a weird turn of events. You know, I don't want to see that happen because we know what happened last time we faced Aaron Rodgers. Did not end well for Cowboy fans. You know, so... Hopefully the Cowboys have a better sh- sh- showing and they can go ahead and finish the season off a lot stronger than they have in years past. I'm excited as a Cowboys fan, but I don't want to get too overzealous because we've been here before, Wesley. <laughs> we've been here way- many times before. And uh, I, w- I want to believe you, Rudy. I really do. But
2: <laughs> I-, I don't want to be fooled. It, it's fool's gold. I mean, year in, year out, the Cowboys are expected to be one of the best teams, if not the best team in the league, everybody calls it out, but I don't really, I've given them credit before the beginning of the season, but now it's kind of a different feel to it. They, you see what the offense can do. My biggest concern actually this year was the secondary. And after that was the offensive line. Trayvon Diggs is putting up ridiculous numbers right now, five interceptions in four games I mean, he's becoming, you know, a Daryl Rivas type cornerback or he's just a shutdown cornerback. That's something that the Cowboys need uh, for their secondary, which they're getting. And, you know, let's be real on the offensive line. If they can continue to get the good protection that they're getting, I mean, there, there's no reason to believe they're at least not going to win that division. I mean, I, I pegged Washington to be the division champs in the NFC East. It still could happen, but I really think that the Cowboys look a lot better right now than I expected them to. My my concern on one player was Dak. I didn't know how he was gonna look. He really he pretty much just, you know, shut me up in the Tampa Bay game. He couldn't still play. And against a defense like that, I mean, he made it look kind of easy, to be honest with you. I mean, that's not the loss on him on that game was not on him. So yeah, I, I think with Dak playing the way he is, the Cowboys have a potential to be one of the better teams in the NFC. I don't know if they're Super Bowl bound, but they are playoff. Vamos para la think.
1: Super Bowl, Wesley. Vamos. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, man, but I, I doubt that's going to happen this season. Other, either way, you know, hopefully they have a better showing. That's all I'm hopeful for. But as we go ahead and bring this show to a close, we'll go around here, let everybody kind of plug themselves and so, you know, where you can go ahead and follow, follow these guys on social media. We'll start with you, Ben. Where can they follow you on social media? And do you have anything interesting that we need to keep an eye out for?
0: I'm always interesting, but uh, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore boomstein. I recently re- uh, released a post on Project Spurs, um, the three Spurs with the most approved this season. So a little bit of what we talked about tonight. Lucas Simonich and Lonnie Walker were mentioned, as well as Zach Collins. But, of course, Zach Collins is injured and won't be playing until probably Christmas. So he can be on the back burner a little bit, but uh, something to keep an eye on. Lucas Monich and Lonnie Walker, the four.
1: Yeah, and if Zach Collins can stay healthy, maybe the Spurs gamble will pay off for us and we'll look like bona fide geniuses. Exactly.
0: <laughs> One can only hope.
1: Yep, I'm hopeful for that. Uh, Wesley, where can they follow you on social media?
3: Joe at Wesley Perk on Twitter. Hey, uh, just to mention, I know we don't have enough time to really discuss it, but um, some really cool college football stuff coming up this weekend. Uh, you got the Red River uh, rivalry game, obviously OU-UT. Not a fan of either team, but it's always a great game. Um, Our very own UTSA Roadrunners, 5-0. Could end up 12-0 by the time the season finishes up, knock on wood. Um, And my beloved Whittle-Wed-Waders, who got... Beat up really bad by the UT Longhorns a few weeks ago, um, are now actually four and one. Uh, have TCU this weekend for a chance to go five and one. So um, excited for a good college football weekend as well as the pro football scene.
1: And there you go. What do you what do you what do you say on your, for your red raid or for your Texas Tech Red Raiders wreck them?
3: Yeah, they got wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> and,
2: and Rudy, where can they follow you on social media? Take, follow me on Twitter. It's at Sweep the League. You can also friend request me, like I always say on Facebook, Rudy Compos Jr. Whether I accept it is totally up to me, but maybe you'll get lucky and I'll be drunk or asleep and I'll say, hey, okay, confirm. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff coming out from Sweep the League. Sweep the League graduated from podcast to radio show October 17th, 7 to 9 p.m. every single Sunday on 9 30 a.m. The answer. Myself, Derek Gervin, Shemaya Reed. Uh, yeah, Gerbin does sound familiar. It is uh, George Gerbin's brother, but we're gonna have a, a ton of fun on that. We're gonna cover just about everything. Like sweep the league says, you know, we sweep every single league. And Wes is right, you know, college football this weekend's gonna be oops, sorry, gonna be pretty good. Um, Auburn in Georgia, you're talking Arkansas, Ole Miss. It's gonna be a really, really good weekend of college football. Florida and Vanderbilt. Uh, boring, but we'll see how that goes. Right, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's giving the
1: thumbs down. Everybody can't see him right now, but come
0: on. That's not even going to be a game.
1: We do have the a big nerds
0: f- have no chance. <laughs> oh my God.
1: <laughs> well, we do have a big fight coming up this weekend that I'm going to be watching. Cause I love watching some All combat right. sports. I love watching boxing and we do got wilder versus fury three. The trifecta here in the, I guess the, the final, you know, the finale, the grand finale, hopefully, of De, DeJounte uh, Wilder and, and Tyson Fury, the Gypsy King. So I'm looking forward to seeing this one. Hope it lives up to the hype. Fury's going down. I hope he does. Yep.
2: Uh, come on. Yep, Fury's going down. I have a feeling Fury's going down bad.
1: Man, you, you got to put some money on it, Rudy. I don't believe you, man. I cannot uh, believe what I'm hearing. I, I can't believe I'm saying it. But Wilder I, I, has gotten his ass handed to him the last two times. Fury licked his own blood off of him. If that doesn't say a warrior, I mean, come on, dude. I,
2: again, I just, I have this gut feeling that Fury's just not going to win. Well, I don't know. I, it could be because of the whole COVID thing that they went through. I mean, he had to take, you know, some time off from training. I just, I don't think Fury is... Fury doesn't have the same mentality going into this fight that he would have before. Because this is a fight that he, he was like mandated to take. So he's overlooking Wilder, in my opinion. And I think that's what's going to cross them right now. I don't know. I still got my money on
1: Fury. Because he, he was
2: supposed to fight Joshua, right? Yeah. So, but, I mean. But Wilder wouldn't suit him. To make this fight happen. And that's why I think Fury loses, because he's like, okay, let's fight, yada, yada, bam, boom, bomb. Oh, he goes down. I think that's the reason why Fury loses this fight. Yeah. Well, this is the trilogy, should I say here,
1: Uh, Tyson versus Fury 3. So I'm hoping it lives up to the hype, hoping that the Gypsy King does get the victory and comes out on top of Wilder. Uh, To me, that would be a, a perfect perfect night of boxing. And a great night of sports, by the way, too. Go UTSA! Hopefully, they can go ahead and continue their 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 winning ways and stay undefeated. You know, you can also follow me on social media at Two Shots Podcast, all spelled out T W O Two Shots Podcast, and I will be happy to talk with you that you know about anything that has to do with the world of sports, or even going and diving a little deep into the world of the geeks. You know, because me, Ben, and Rudy, and our good friend, our good buddy over there, Jeff Garcia, and even Wesley here, we're geeks at heart, man. We like talking about, you know, things that are going on right now as far as streaming. You know, we got anything you need us to watch on Netflix, Squid Game. Hulu. I've been watching and I don't tell me the ending because I'm not there yet. <laughs> My little niece almost ruined that for me. So if you got anything you want us to watch, go ahead and hit us up and let us know. So for Benjamin Bornstein and Wesley Perkins, and also our good friend over here, Rudy Campos Jr., I'm Joe Garcia. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. And like we always say, spread the love, stop the hate, and be kind. We're out. Peace.